ghetto, the backyard, the yard. I sell it with my What up, what up, what up, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, people up in Colorado, Denver, and the Maha City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down Laredo. You're tuned in here to the Monday edition of the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark with us producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro to Bell Tequila Studios. All right, your normal number is usually 877-37-GRIND. Today we're having some phone technical difficulties, so um, bear with us on that today. Uh, But we are here with you today. Um, If you want to stream the show live and leave comments, um, and I'll read those on air in real time or I'll respond to them later, you can go to the business Facebook page of Sports Grind Entertainment, or you can go to my personal page and you can stream the show and leave comments and i'll read those on air in real time or i'll respond to them later and also keep in mind if you ever miss any of the shows live um or you're in a market that doesn't carry us terrestrial radio wise or you uh miss the uh episodes live you can go to sportsgrindonline.com where you can download the podcast seven days a week 365 and you can click the play button uh listen live as well also and then we'll be appearing right there for you. Don't forget sportsgrindonline.com. What's up, Ms. Clark? You ready? Yes, sir. Ready to rock and roll. All right. So um, there's a quite a bit to get to. Uh, we'll try to get to most of it. You know, it is President's Day, so it's a holiday. All government official building offices, jobs, banks are off today uh but here we're here with you uh so we are coming off a all-star weekend which we'll jump right into that here shortly uh definitely the talk of the day for the most part on this quiet president's day uh people giving their reactions to all-star weekend kind of stuff we discussed on this particular program going into the weekend though uh we've got a coach firing in the nba as well that went down this morning we'll talk about that uh we're coming off uh, college basketball weekend. You know, we're getting down to crunch time here. We're about to get into conference tournaments. Uh, March Madness will be here right around the corner uh, before you know it. Uh, this weekend, you know, there was a couple games I told you Friday that I'd be in tune to. Uh, we had um, number two uh, Purdue going down 73-69 to 69 to Ohio State. Now, we didn't bring this up, but uh, Chris Haltman was fired last Wednesday. He was the head coach of Ohio State, been there some years. Um, he was fired last Wednesday. And his intern coach, uh, Jake Debler, uh, takes down number two Purdue 73-69. to 69. Um you know, the reason why I bring this up, for one, it's an upset. Uh, but, and you know, it's crazy for, you know, the coach get fired and then the intern comes and he gets to upset the number two team in the country. Uh, but Matt Painter um, is under a lot of pressure. Uh, I know he's a hometown kid. He's been at Purdue as a player, coach, since I think for like 30 years, 20 plus, almost 30 years. Um, if you don't... If you forgot, last year uh, they were the number one seed and they were pretty much one of the favorites. Uh, and they made history and they lost in the first round to a 16 seed. Um, and, you know, people that follow college basketball at that time 
thought possibly that they would make a change, uh, but they didn't. Um, and a lot of it has to do because, you know, from the athletic department and the school president and, you know, in that area, he's a love guy, but um, which is big guy Edie. I mean, it's, it seems like he's been there like eight years, to be honest with you. But um, he didn't come out for the draft. Um, he didn't come out for the draft last year. Uh, big guy still. He's pretty good. But, you know. And this day in NBA, uh, and that's a whole other story, you know, size, you can't coach size. But, you know, I am very interested to see how he transitions uh, to the NBA now because it's not just about being a big guy. Uh, you got to be a big guy that is athletic and that can shoot from afar. You know, uh, they still use him predominantly down at the post. Uh, but with all that said, um, you know, to lose to Ohio State, that is pretty much a bad loss, especially this time of year. Uh, there'll be a top seed in their region. Uh, they'll probably fare well in the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, they should win it. Uh, but, you know, anything's possible when you're talking in the these conference tournaments. Uh, but definitely a bad loss. And it just, you know, kind of got me thinking again about how much pressure he's really under. Uh, you know, coming into this March uh, tournament, in my opinion, and I think others would agree. Uh, one of the games I told you I'd take notice was uh, number one UConn, who took on number four Marquette, and they delivered a beat down to shock in the boys. 81 to 53. Um, it was a beat down. UConn, um, what Hurley has, you know, built there, you know, very quickly. Um, you know, um, UConn has been a program, uh, that has been on the map, you know, for a while they had some lean years, uh, but, you know, I've been saying it. And again, it's, it's tricky because it's one and done. And that's why they call it March madness for a reason. But if UConn plays their best, I've yet to see a team in this country that I think their best beats UConn's best. I didn't, I didn't anticipate that game to be that lopsided, um, you know, I think, you know, Marquette really, they really missed on some opportunities early in that game because, you know, when they tipped it off for the most part for the first three to four minutes, maybe to five of that first half, you know, Marquette was in the game. The problem is, is that they couldn't capitalize on some early turnovers from UConn and UConn missed a lot of you know, basically open shots in that first five minutes of the game and Marquette couldn't capitalize. Because honestly, if, if Mark, I mean, if UConn would have came out on point and not as cold and not turned the ball over, um, that score could have been a lot worse, believe it or not, than it was. But uh, definitely a message sent, um, you know, from UConn. Um, I really anticipate them to win the Big East tournament um, and really be probably – most likely the number one overall seed. I'm not breaking news, but most likely they'll be the number one overall seed in the men's tournament. And they're gonna, they're the defending champs, and they're going to be tough as hell to beat. Uh, you know, but again, that's what they call it, March Madness, because any it's one and done. You don't have to beat UConn four out of seven, but Marquette really got drummed. Uh, number three, Houston uh, put a beat down on Texas, eighty-two to sixty-one. Um, that was pretty much a, a snoozer. You know, Texas played them very competitive in Austin a few weeks back, lost to them in overtime, and then you know they go down to H Town and they really get holed out, eighty-two. 
62 to 61. Number 22, Kentucky. Uh, they've been kind of hot of late. They take down number 13, Auburn, 70 to 59. You know, I talked about it a little bit. I think I brought it up on Friday about Calipari and, you know, the, um, the timeline of them getting a little restless down there uh, until he delivers at least another Final Four appearance, if not a national championship. You know, he set the expectations high on that. They've been playing better of late. I haven't really studied them um, as much. A lot of that will be coming over the next final couple weeks of the regular season and then basically, of course, the conference tournaments. Um, but definitely, you know, to get a win uh, against Auburn, who's been playing pretty well, you know, another SEC foe. Uh, you can't, you know, can't sneeze at that. So that's a good W that they picked up. Um, definitely not now, but later on, I want to get into Rick Patino had an ultimate uh, meltdown. Um, I definitely want to talk about that. Uh, you know, everybody doesn't know he's coaching at St. John's, you know, after spending a few years, I own it, but he really didn't hold back from his team. But, you know, Rick has given us some classic ones over the time. Um, you know, even when he was with Boston, you know, the famous one, Kevin McHale's not walking through that door. Larry Bird's not. He's, but this is one of those that he really, and keep in mind, you know, you know, I know we talk NIL money and, you know, these kids getting the transfer portal, basketball players are getting it too, maybe not on the level of college football players, but they're getting it in. Uh, but we're still talking about 18, 19 year old young men. Um, and some people would still consider them kids. Uh, so Rick went kind of scorched the earth on them and even took a jab at his own facility. So I'll definitely circle back to that. Uh, but you have that going on. Also, what else we got? We got uh, baseball getting ready for spring training to get going. Uh, you know, Carlos Stanton, you know, he spoke to the media. You know, he showed allegedly, I guess, I haven't seen him yet, but I've read up on him. Uh, supposedly, he has showed up pretty much leaned. Uh, he said he's looking to bounce back probably from one of his worst years as a professional baseball player. And, you know, a lot of um, his injuries that he's had, um, you've, I've listened to some experts and former baseball players, and a lot of them contribute to – I don't know if you want to say his obsession and his physique in regards to trying to get built, built, you know, bulk up muscle wise. And, you know, when you're talking about swinging a bat and trying to hit a 98 to 100 mile an hour fastball or even 80 mile an hour change ups, you know, you got to be there's a certain built that you do have to have, I think. And I think, you know. I haven't seen him, but like I said, the report said that he's trimmed down tremendously, and that lets you know him changing his body. He's kind of listened to those critics and evidently has gotten some advice to maybe he needs to change his physique and his diet to kind of slim down and not be so bulked up because really, if you look at his contract and you look what the Yankees have paid him, um, it's it's one of the worst returns right now, not in history. I'm not going to go live in the moment and say history, but right now, currently in the MLB, it's probably one of the worst returns on a contract. Speaking of performance, if, especially if you just look at last year alone uh, in the bigs. Uh, Otani's not going to be ready for the Dodgers spring opening um, games. Well expected, though. Uh, we know that he's not pitching this year, uh, but he is going to be uh, in the lineup uh, playing. Um, so, But we know he's taking a year off from pitching. So in regards to the procedure that he just came off of not too long ago and the the patience with this and, and due to the fact that the big long time commitment and the dollar amount 
Trust me, um, they're going to handle him with gloves and they're going to make sure that he's almost pretty much damn near 100 percent recovered from his surgery, probably even before they let him swing a bat. You know, so they'll know that he's on pace with whatever his rehab. Now, like I said, he's not pitching, uh, you know, this year to kind of give a full year off after coming off of borderline Tommy John surgery. Um, they want to proceed with caution. Now, the interesting thing, his former teammate, um, Mike Trout, uh, spoke to the media as well and kind of sent a little bit mixed signals, in my opinion, um, you know, in regards to where he's at with the organization uh, mentally and what he wants to do. And he just said, hey, you know, uh, basically he kind of put the onus on the ownership and saying that he would have liked for them uh, to really be active and try to add another you know, high-profile, talented player to try to replace Otani. And he said you can't really replace him. But other words, translation, he wants the front office to be more aggressive. And he said with him, you know, based off the contract and the situation, he said, you know, really, he's just paraphrasing. He's a loyal guy. Uh, but really, like I said, if I really wanted to, I guess all I had to do is say trade me. He said, but I'm not there yet. He goes, because I you know, want to win a championship here in L.A. So... I took that as a lot of, you know, kind of contradicting and pretty much sending mixed signals. And and I take it as, and when I listen to that, you know, I listen to a guy that um, is know that he's technically no really, he's not, he's no longer in his prime based off of uh, his injuries, the tolls that he's had to deal with over the last few years, speaking of Mike Trout. And it also sounds like a guy that's kind of frustrated and he's tired of losing and he's tired of not having the opportunity. And he also sounds like a guy that he feels like the front office hasn't been aggressive enough, which to me, I don't know if I agree with him 100% on that over the years of that ownership. I mean, they've, they've dealt out some contracts that they've been regretting. You know, I talk about Carlos Stanton. I mean, you know, look at that Albert Pujols deal. Uh, you know, you can go back even before the Albert Pujols deal. Um, the Hamilton deal, you know, when he was with the Rangers and the Angels paid him that money. So they've, they've showed a history of willing to spend. But the problem is they just not – they haven't been able to – get the right collection of arms uh starting rotation and in the bull bullpen in my opinion to be competitive but trout sounds like a guy that is really confused to me in regards to he has mixed emotions i mean he's loyal to la that's the team that drafted him i mean when you're a player of mike trout's caliber which is going to be a future hall of famer um you want to finish uh the career with one team but at the same time, we've only seen Mike Trout once in the postseason since he's been since he's been in the bigs. Uh, he's seen his counterpart, a guy that he's been kind of linked to, and Mookie Betts has already got a, a World Series ring. Um, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you think like, okay, I've got the second coming. I've got a B twelve shot. I get Otani, and then you play with him for a few years, and then now Otani's gone. But when you say all that. At the end of the day, Mike Trout has to look at himself in the mirror, too, and just be honest that he has not been available in the last couple of years, really, for his team. Uh, he, the injuries have just mounted up because there was a stretch there where there's really hard to debate that he was the best player in baseball.
you know, which when healthy, I think he can still, I mean, he's not that old, but he's not technically in his prime. The wear and tear of the injuries of that's taken on his body, probably even besides his age number, doesn't technically put him in his prime years. But when he's healthy, uh, he's still easily one of the top five, eight ball players, you know, in the bigs. So with all that said, we will uh, definitely want to circle back to Patino, but um, let's start with the professionals, uh, the NBA, which we are officially um, put the All-Star Weekend in the books uh, in Indiana. Uh, one of the main things that stood out to me was really the weather. Uh, you know, everybody kind of chirping about the weather. They had ice and snow in general. But my thing is, like, if you have it in Indiana in February, those are the chances that that's going to happen. Uh, but when you look at the whole weekend in its entirety, um, I would have to say the, you know, you know, Steph versus Sabrina was probably the highlight of the whole weekend um, for the most part. Um, I think that, you know, it was we talked a little bit about it on Thursday and Friday. Um, I thought it went well. Um, it was the one event that I really basically had appointment, you know, watching for. Um, nothing else really got me, you know, in tune to what, because it's funny to me and I'll get into it when we get back. It's like the outrage of the all-star game in general, the score and the effort. It lets me know that there's a lot of people that really don't watch a lot of basketball on a nightly basis. They cover it and they scoreboard watch and big stories, but they really don't watch how the game is really being played really for the last couple years. You listen to the sports grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell tequila studios. We'll be back. Much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. I just all right back here on the sports grind calvin casey jonas clark producing spinning the one and twos today's show is being presented by dosecki's get a dose and we are broadcasting here from the maestro de bell tequila studios and this next segment is going to be sponsored by specs all right keep in mind specs if you're looking to check out what's the latest new products they have come in 
or you already know what they have coming in, but you just want to deliver straight to your doorstep, don't forget about SpecsOnline.com because the fun starts here. That is Specs, official sponsor of the Sports Grind and an official partner of the Dallas Cowboys, which they're in the news as well, too, at least one of their players, their best defensive player. Mr. Michael Parsons had some words after his weekend all-star MVP winning celebrity game. Um, but uh, keeping it moving, so staying with the all-star. So to me, um, in my opinion, I would say that the Sabrina and Steph thing was probably um, – it was it was entertaining, it was very entertaining. And it kind of went the way I expect. I mean, Steph did what he had to do. Uh, you could tell he took it very serious. And I think Sabrina made a good showing uh, for the WNBA and women's basketball in general. And that that's the reason why I thought it was very beneficial to make the decision to have them both shoot, you know, at the men's, at the NBA three-point line contest if we were going to do this. And, and it worked out good. It's probably not the last that we're going to see of it. Uh, because of the positive feedback that it got from what I've heard. So it's not, it's the first, but it's not going to be the last. I'm not saying Steph's going to compete in everyone, but they'll find a WNBA and an NBA player to do this. Well, there's talks about running it back, uh-huh. right, and having that opportunity. My wager, and this would probably be good again for the for the NBA and the WNBA, would be to have Steph show up at WNBA All-Star Weekend. That would draw more eyes to that product. They've already done it here, so you're getting the sequel, part two. You know, Revenge for Sabrina or a Ken Steph defend. That's the storyline going into that one. And then the WN or the NBA gets to double dip with the WNBA eyes and everything like that, too, at a slower time for the NBA schedule. Um, I mean, I, I won't say that I can see that. I mean, I'm not saying that's nothing, uh, you know, a bad idea or not. Uh, but um, I think it's it, it kind of makes more sense on the NBA side to do it because the NBA side is what has carried the WNBA uh, for a long time. I mean, until they're able to get to this point where you have some budding superstars that are young ladies and the game's being marketed before. Because if it wasn't for the – if I've, I've said this forever. If the WNBA was a standalone league and it didn't have ties to the NBA, it would have folded a long time ago. Would have folded a long time ago. Oh no, for sure. Uh, but but you're telling WNBA fans Steph Curry's going to show up at the WNBA All Star Game. You're telling NBA fans who then can buy tickets to the WNBA All Star uh-huh. Game because of the opportunity to see Steph shoot. You know, taking on Sabrina, and because the NBA's interest in the WNBA, that it's a, it's a win win for them. Yeah, but the WNBA All Star Weekend isn't the NBA All Star Weekend. It's not. It's it's not an event. Uh, and I'm not like again, like I said, I'm not telling you it's a bad idea but i wouldn't hold my breath for it because again the w the interest in the wnba all-star weekend is not the same as the interest in an all-star weekend as the nba regardless what you feel about the dunk contest regardless what you feel about the all-star game itself at the end of the day the nba all-star weekend is a party weekend you know and it's an event so um that's why it kind of made sense to why they did it but not saying that that wouldn't happen i just know it's not the last time in my opinion i don't think it's the last time you're going to see it 
on the All-Star Weekend in the NBA. So, um, but, you know, we'll see. But in general, what do you got? Well, thoughts about the floated idea of maybe doing men's versus women's teams, tandems. Steph and Dame was floated with potentially, I think Reggie Miller was on this one, with potentially uh, um, Sabrina and Caitlin Clark. And then you get to have the the two on two in a sense in a, in a three point contest. I, I don't know how I feel about that because I don't want to get it too gimmicky. Because then you're on the borderline saying that are we trying to go toward co-ed basketball or not? Which which I mean where this country sits right now. Um, well, they dip their toes in the water with that back. Uh, well, I remember the, the pictures float around with um, Becky Hammond and Timmy. And David Robinson at the All-Star Weekend together, right? But I, I don't think – but this is the thing. I, I think what you have to do is you you can promote the women's game and you can do it with one of your biggest events, which is the All-Star Weekend, the NBA All-Star Weekend. But you can't be an overload of this whole mis- mismatch of women in WNBA, NBA. Because there's a section of this country that will take that the wrong way. And it's one of those things that where, you know, like, don't want to get into politics with you right now. But it, it's, you know, even when you don't look at the professional level, you look at what's going on on the collegiate level and the amateur level. When you have this whole thing of boys and girls and you got some people believing that we're trying to go toward almost just co-ed sports. And that's the reason why I say that it's you, you got to do it with a grain of salt. Um, but you just have to, um, and to keep the integrity and to keep what people of that certain fan base feels like. I think if you go in teams or too much, I think you just take one of the best three point shooters, the one of the top three, uh, three point shooters in WNBA, you take the top three in NBA and you just have that contest. They have to go out in the teams and then, cause then where does it stop? I mean, then next thing you know, it's like, okay, well, we should have, we've got the Rise and Stars game. There should be a rookie game of the females toward the WNBA women against the men. And then it just turns into the Bearded Lady show, circus show. So, no, I'm not down with that. Um, But in regards to the NBA All-Star Weekend itself, this version, what we just went witnessed in Indiana, um, the, like, I feel like the, if you look at last night's game, 211 to 186, Okay, which I fell asleep early in this game. All right, the real story. I'm not even joking. When you look at, and I woke up like, damn, that's what the score ended up being. Could tell. Um, the criticism is fair, but it's surprising to me that it's this loud on this President's Day Monday because it's like this is where the NBA's been trending to. The way they play some games, regular season game. Now, now you don't really see a regular season game where there's just no defense play, like where you get a two eleven to one eighty six. That's that's not normal. But the pace and the style and the mentality is kind of where we're at, and that's just where the NBA at. And you know, Adam Silver, you know, All Star Weekend, he did some interviews. He talked about this. You know, he's expressed his concern the way we're developing players in this country, okay, and in and, and, and the United States. And for one, he, he's not, I mean, to me, he's not breaking news by bringing this up, and he's kind of late to the party, and maybe it's just because I've done this for 20 years now, I've covered a lot of different things. You know, it's one of those that there's been a, there's a big melting pot, and, and hands in the pot why that's the case, 
You know, if you look at from one, I mean, because I would have told Adam with him telling him that I was like, yeah, well, look at the age limit situation. I mean, you 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 have forced um, guys that really don't want to go to college or think that they're better than college. You have forced them in Division One co- to play Division One basketball for at least a year. And then on top of that, it kind of waters the college game down because you, we've gone through this period where there is no more, you know, unless you go to these Division II schools or you see these small schools that make these runs in the March Madness. You know why? Because they've got guys that are juniors and seniors, and they've been together three or four years, even though they're a small school, but they're playing a, a, a Big Ten school or ACC school, and they beat them because they've been together so long. Based off of the big programs, you've got, you've got turnover that's high. And this is, and I'm talking even before you get to the transfer portal. I'm not even talking. We ain't even got to the transfer portal era yet. This has been going on in college basketball, what affected the NBA, in my opinion, before we even started the transfer portal. You got that as a factor. So the age situation. Um, let's go a little bit, you know, different from college and high school. Let's go to the AU, the AU era. Like what we're seeing in the NBA right now, what you've seen in that game yesterday, that score. Okay, a combined 400 points or whatever. What you saw is you've seen we're living in the age right now of NBA players that were brought up through the AAU game. And in the AAU game, trust me, like I said, I know some of my barbers spent 10 years coaching at the highest level of AAU. I've, I've gone to his games. I've seen it. I've heard the stories, um, you know. And what kind of goes on behind the scenes, the way, you know, these kids get treated at AU, the way they're recruited, uh, the way the shoe companies give them early deals. You you have a situation where an AU, it's become at that point, even at that age, a very individual type of game and importance to you game. And, you know, the AU is the highlight. Who who has the best vertical? Who can jump out the gym? Not so much a case. I mean, you've got some, you know, Steph Curry's the world. You want to have pride in shooting. For the most part, at AU level, it's athleticism. And who's growing? Who's already tall? Who can already dunk? So when Adam basically talks about he has concerns about how the game is developing in the States, there's a mixture to a lot of it. But it's like, where have you been? I mean, this has been started to go on uh, since your mentor, the late David Stern, was commissioning and you were just sitting there. As, as his right-hand man trying to soak up the day you might have became commissioner. So that kind of got my attention, him speaking like that over All-Star Weekend. But the All-Star game in itself, man, it, it is what it is. It, I mean, it's disgusting. Um, you know, I, don't, I still don't think it's as bad as a situation what you have with the NFL Pro Bowl situation that we just talked about weeks ago. But the NBA All-Star, which I, I like them going back, and I think they should stay at the traditional East versus West. Um, and Dame kind of talked about it a little bit. You know, he won the MVP, the Kobe Award. Um, you know, he won the three-point contest for back-to-back as well. I just feel this is one of those that, you know, Dame talked about it, but he just said, hey, you know, could the effort be, he said he thought the game was exciting, but could the effort be better? There could be some way to get things going. And I think they need to dig into that because reality of it is, and you always circle back and you always follow, follow the money. These guys make too much money now. So whatever the prize is, 200000 100000 to the winning squad, 300000 whatever the case may be, it's not enough. 
it's not enough incentive to really have these guys want to compete and basically sit there. I don't expect anybody to be pulling a full court press in an all-star game, in a basketball all-star game. I don't think the people that are complaining, that's not really what we're saying. We don't expect anybody, you know, we don't see we don't expect to see eight to ten charges, people taking charges in the all-star game. But we do expect to see guys try to stay in front of somebody. Okay. Um, and and again, I get it. It's you know it's all star. It's really for the for the fans because a lot of these guys here, when you can see them and you could tell, especially the guys that are vets that's been through here a couple of years, has been all star. They're on the sixth or seventh all star. They'd rather be on vacation. They'd rather be with the guys that didn't make the all star game or weekend and have no ties and no obligations to be in all star town that weekend. They're tired. They 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 need a break. So it's just one of those that that is just um, that's kind of disgusting, you know. Uh, that's disgusting to have that score and to have that um, is just it's 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 bad. It's bad. But to me, the the my whole point today is the outrage. The the volume of the outrage to me is like. Y'all couldn't see this coming. How is this a big shock to you? Just watch three to four games, two games a night, man, and watch teams mail it in because they gave up a 15-18-0 run. And next thing you know, they lose by 30 or 40. I mean, just I mean, just take a gander. What do you got? Yeah, last night after the first quarter, I actually tweeted because I did, did a little digging because mm-hmm. the first quarter score was 53-47 to 47 already right off the bat. So I was curious as to how many teams, you know, what's the most every team has put up in a quarter throughout this season. Mm. The le- the the most any team has put up in, or, 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 or let me put it this way, the the each team has put up at least forty five points in a quarter this year. Your Spurs, your Magic, your league worst, you know, offense Grizzlies. Each team has put up at least forty five points in a quarter this season. Every team in the NBA. Every team in the NBA, according to stat views. Mm-hmm. Okay? So when you have a first quarter score then of 53 to 47, that's basically like any, like any given team in the NBA's best quarter. And you've got, the, you've got the best stars. So you've taken away all the scrubs off of every team and everything like that. So it's not a surprise, like you're saying, that if you watch basketball, if you're, if you're familiar with the state of the NBA today, a fifty three forty seven, which if you multiply that by four, you're gonna have a two hundred and what two hundred and twelve, you know, and, and and so two eleven is right on pace for that. Right. So it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. Uh, I thought the game itself was actually entertaining. I, I I was entertained by it. I mean Halliburton pulling off twelve points in a row, four consecutive three point shots. Mm. It was dumb. Um, I thought I thought that the uh, the 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 passing down the court. So uh, Luca. And and Joker going down the court without a single dribble, and the Joker gives it off for an assist at the end anyway. I thought that was fun. Uh, it it was almost like novelty. It was it was just, it was just we know that this isn't a serious game, so go a little bit globe trotter with it. Have some fun for the crowd. Um, and, and but I think the, one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was the amount of three point shots. All right, well, now we know that the NBA has changed a lot as it is. The West, or sorry, the East, that the won the won the game, took ninety seven shots from beyond the arc. Yeah. All right, they hit forty two of them for forty three percent, which is yeah. a solid rate. But when you factor, they took overall they took one hundred and forty six shots. The Eastern team did. 
That means that they only took 49 shots from, from a two-point range. Yeah. And they took 97 from three-point. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's – I mean, if you think that's entertaining and that that's – I mean, I'll respect your opinion, but that, those are – like, those are fake numbers. And those th- those numbers are – they tell a lot. They tell a lot. They're fake the numbers. They, well, they tell us – like, they tell a lot that we don't give a damn about this game a lot. And, you know, they've been playing the all-star game a long time, and the game has changed and gone into evolutions of scoring the way it's been played. But the effort and where the competitive, especially you're amongst your peers and you know you're the best of the best, you've been voted in, the competition level and the effort has never changed over those times. You know, because it used to be even toward Jordan's last years and Kobe's early years, like guys would sit there, jack around this and that. But you know what? Come that fourth quarter, It was locked in time. See, the difference when you talk about you went back and researched and talk about every team in the NBA has had a 47-point quarter. But you know what the difference is and what makes last night even disgusting and you can't even compare that is because even in those games where a team scores 47 in a quarter, at some point the bleeding is stopped. Somebody's going to stop down for a quarter. Somebody's going to sit there and make an effort. Last night there was nothing. it It was you see more defense played at you know your local gym i mean that that was a high dollar i won't even say a high dollar but you could say a high priced pickup game like an exclusive club like if they get like i heard somebody say but i heard somebody say today which is true like there's summer league games that these guys participate in the summer, like these private five-on-fives you hear about, that, you know, the the famous ones, you know, you have LeBron, and, you know, you'd get uh, Chris Paul, and these guys would show up in L.A., they meet up. Those games were played at a more intense, and they're better than this. This is a microcosm of everything laid out. It's, But I always tell you, you go back and you follow the money. The guys make too much money. That the, the guys that are there, the guys that are making the all-star, they make too much money. So when you put an incentive of 100000 to the winner or whatever it is, or 50 k or whatever it is, that's not enough. That's not going to be enough to motivate these dudes. So And, and to me, it is a generational thing. Like, like you got eight-year, seven-year-old kids, nine-year-old kids that are taking their fathers are taking to the games. There's majority of them are miserable sitting through that. But the kid thinks like, hey, man, this looks like a video game me and my friend play. So it, it's, it's a gift and a curse, but that was disgusting. I mean, 400 points, because that goes back to you got guys, even on a regular basis, that are shooting threes that have no business shooting threes. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro to Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer, spin the one and twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. 
Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind.